Welcome back, Poggers, to another episode of The Pog State, a special edition world's version of it. And this isn't even going to be the last one. Extraordinarily excited to be here. We're once again doing it remotely um, for, you know, some issues that we're not going to go into because it's just, you know, it's a long story. But here we are, back at home. Um, it was just because I didn't want to leave. I've been at home for quite some time. But these <laughs> other boys certainly have not. Welcome, uh, Chronicler, Wolf, and Valdez. You've been hard at work at the planes. How was it? We were, uh, we did a couple days. It was pretty fun. I, I really enjoyed it, working with Wolf and doing some of the planes days. Uh, the games were actually almost better than I expected. I was, uh, <laughs> I was really having a good time. <laughs> yeah, we, we had the marathon cast that we did, which was really fun. I mean, our cast itself wasn't that long. It was just a long day of matches in general, so we ended up staying there for uh, a really long time. But it was actually really fun, and it's been really fun to kind of interact with the other casters, even though we're casting remote. I think the technology we're using is, is pretty insane. We did it at MSI, but, like, when Dash can throw to me in Berlin while the players are in Iceland and I'm in Korea, like, it still blows my mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And not to mention the fact that, you know, they're casting from North America, like, a couple of minutes before tossing to you as well, like... Uh, it's just it's it's ridiculous the the uh, technology that we have. Chronicler as well. You were on the you were on some desk days, and uh, they seemed quite uh, elongated as far as the time was concerned. Uh, how did you yeah. cope? You are a bit of a regular human being sleeper, I, so I was a bit worried about you. I, I am not as good as uh, as a gamer or of a gamer rather as you guys. Um, so it did take some uh, did take some getting used to. I was warned by Wolf already because he did dust, uh, desk days at MSI. Um, honestly, it was mainly because I did uh, desk with Shox and Emily both days, and they're just really good at that job. So I just <laughs> felt like I barely had to do anything. Um, and the games were really good. Um, as someone who comes from a pretty subpar region, into uh, like on a, on a European <laughs> level, uh, I really identify with like some of the playing teams where it's not really about do you actually win, although we did get some of that, which was amazing in DFM. Um, but just about like being part of the players and seeing them do as well as they possibly can. Yeah, it was really exciting. Um, it was a real weird year for me, uh, gentlemen, because this is the first year since 2015 that I haven't casted a qualification to the World Championship. I did every IWC tournament, every play-ins coming up until now, and it's the first time that I've ever not been there. But thankfully, uh, you guys were there and you did an absolutely fantastic job. So... Let's have a talk about what we saw and what we learnt in the planes, because uh, straight out the gate, things got wacky. Things were a little bit weird. We had mid Trindamir played by Chovy, and it was a very strange situation. That first draft actually sort of epitomized the coolness of the world's meta, uh, to me especially. But uh, gentlemen, was, uh, was that uh, your take as well? Do you think it's going to be uh, certainly a fun and spicy one? Maybe chronically you can uh, let us know first. I, I, I personally was pleasantly surprised. I am somewhat worried that like Trindamir and Amumu particularly might end up like in the Ude Hecarim realm where we're like, oh, they're new and cool. And then by the end of the tournament, we're like, these champions are way too binary and they're just broken and I want them to go away. But for play, it's amazing. Uh, very, very happy to see. Also, based on what we've seen thus far, uh, champion diversity looks pretty good. There's a couple of outliers. MF seemingly out of nowhere is basically the most high prior AD carry at the moment. Um, and then there is also the Aurelia, but that's not a surprise to anyone who's paid any attention because she has been super busted. Um, but we in the LCK have great Aurelia players, so I think we'll just take that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, for me, for me, the biggest standout was how well Leona's doing. I, I know I've, I feel like I've talked about this a lot, uh, even already on the broadcast, but um, it feels like since I've started casting League of Legends, there hasn't been the one support that you have to have that just doesn't feel like there's a counter to, doesn't feel like anyone, um, there's any risk involved in picking it. We're seeing a support picked off in the first rotation, 80 carries left for later oftentimes because Leona is like the more pivotal pick when the misfortune is banned away. Uh, currently sitting, if I'm looking at my stats correctly, 19 and 5 right now in the tournament and was like 10 and 0 um, after the first few days. So we keep seeing people engage into Leona and bot 2v2s as well and then dying. Um, it's usually the teams that lose that are making this uh, mistake a lot, I've noticed. But 
Um, it's just crazy to me that she seems so strong right now because a lot of teams are trying out this Amuba. A lot of teams are trying to be aggressive in the bot lane. And we're seeing so many teams, or so many games rather, defined by that bot lane 2v2 and how ahead uh, the Lucian or the Misfortune can be. So I think it's been a really pivotal pick in that regard. Valdez. Yeah, if I could also give my thought. <laughs> it's been a while since we've done a, a remote <laughs> broadcast kind of thing. Uh, kind of funky. Um, yeah, I I actually really liked the um, the Poppy. That was the biggest one for me, especially because it smashed so hard and it was so obviously going to be insanely broken against what Red Cannons drafted that time that... Um, it just it just felt so awesome, right? And uh, we we kind of knew right from the draft that it was basically over because Poppy exists as a champion, <laughs> and it's yeah. Vizichachi as well, just playing it. So that was really cool. And I think we're gonna see maybe even more weird stuff as we get into groups, especially you know with more best of ones and stuff like that. I think that. Um, you know, I, I don't know if we'll go to the mid vi level, but I think we're we might see some weird stuff. Any anything is better than uh, who is it? Someone someone played Shin Zhao like four times in a row. I think it was Husha. Uh, yeah, Husha. Yeah, Husha yeah. Has, like only played yeah. Shin Zhao in his region as well. <laughs> Any anything is better than that. So I was happy we got some <laughs> diversity. Yeah, diversity is d definitely the uh, the aim of the game. I've actually really loved um, sort of going off the back of that, the fact that there have been so many different styles and so many different answers to things as well. I feel like the creativity in draft has been really, really cool. It started out in that first game, of course, like the, the Gragas pick into the Trindamere, like one of the oldest counterpicks to ever exist in the game ever. And we see it like the very first time, for the first time in so, so long, right? And we saw this all over the place. We had Aatrox is being flexed into mid lane. We had Lilia's flexed top lane. Like that Lilia flex, by the way, was absolutely awesome. And then it didn't matter because the team wasn't good enough. Like that yes. made me so sad. I was like, I was about to get out my little, my, like my, my fingers were twitching on the, on the Twitters. And then like the whole team fell apart. And I'm like, well, I'm glad I was a bit slow on that tweet. Dang it. <laughs> so, it was not so good. I, I, I am very optimistic with, the, uh, with what we've seen so far. The only caveat that like I generally get over-enthusiastic about basically anything is that <laughs> yeah. it is play-ins. Uh, and we have seen previously that the play-ins matter, like both the teams are weaker, so you get away with more stuff. And there's also, uh, I think Vulcan mentioned this, or it might have been Vulcan or Miffy in the, the Windsor interview that C9 did, which is all the main stage teams have been scrimming each other. They have not been scrimming play-in teams. Yeah, Miffy yeah. mentioned it then. Uh, and I think that's something that I am going to wonder about if that's going to... If we're going to see a big shift or if we're going to continue seeing the trends. Like I think like stuff like Aurelia, like, obviously that's still going to be as high prio. But I really wonder what group stage will bring because group stage is going to be... I can't wait. I, I, was, I was surprised too, just on the, on the discussion of the meta, that we didn't see more prevalence of the um, Ghostblade Assassin jungles. Um, it was like the talked about a lot. Everyone's really excited about. It. In the first few days, we saw it a little bit. We saw Zed pop in there. Kiana was very staple at the beginning, and then it just completely fell out. And nobody's really doing any. Well, not nobody, but it's just a lot I, rarer than it was at the beginning. Yeah, I think it's mainly due to the like depth of execution because the teams that did that well was like Tarzan on Kiana. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, but I think that's a really good point. Yeah, I. I Hope we see more of those in group stages because I think they're really fun. For sure. Yeah, actually, I think that might have been the a, a teams in the play-in situation because, like you were talking about, Tarzan, like uh, Valenji was definitely playing. Uh, you know, the Kiana whenever he could get his hands on it. I think that the talent also like demonstrated what he's supposed to do. Um, the Zed didn't, but uh, that might have <laughs> been because. Barbuk was like 40 seconds late to a full clear or something like that when he played it. Like, that was not yeah. necessarily so good, but uh, we certainly saw the value of these sort of ghost blade uh, junglers that are starting to come out and tear things up. So I don't think this is the last that we're going to see of them, um, but definitely, like, I think the fact that we got that first game, that Kiana came out, and I was worried that it was just going to be like, are we just assassin meta jungle like this whole time, and like, that's all we can play? It's just going to be like, if you need a magic damage champion, it's Echo every game. If you like, otherwise it's Zed and Talon, and and that's sort of the meta, and that's what we have to deal with. That's not what it is. Like, 
we've seen bruises like blab as olaf was like if you say that olaf is an irrelevant champion then just go back and watch that game not so irrelevant that was absolutely ridiculous <laughs> cool um, drinker yeah i think like the gore drinker meta is like really really cool the fact like well it's it's cool and it's not at, at the same time is like there is like a real issue going on at brendan's house um are you all right <laughs> Have, uh... it's the ghost guy from the fred and Brian house <laughs> he's coming for you <laughs> he's come back oh man no we are we are truly he's back in the remote in broadcast <laughs> Oh, he had left. I thought that was like his his shoulder. I got really confused there for a second. That was like that was that was kind of scary. Um, anyway, to get back on point, um, just a little bit. Uh, so it is a bit of a gore drinker meta in the jungle, and uh, it's or well, not in the jungle, in everywhere. But it's cool that it can be utilized by both assassins and like these just regular bruises as well. I I, I because like it's just being built by almost it, anyone that goes into the jungle and does physical damage. Is it, is cool? it cool? Yeah, <laughs> I kind of like it because it, it does mean know, that you can have assassins and you can have bruises. It's not like yeah. every single game you need to have no. Zinzao, Olaf, I, garbage every I think, game. I think you're you're 100 right in terms of champion diversity. In terms yeah. of build diversity or health sure. of the item, it's. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, we're not yeah. talking about that. That's yeah, not true. That's not it. There is no, no right. diversity right. in the jungle. It's build that item and then do whatever, you know? I mean, Lee Sin, Lee Sin, champions like Lee Sin and Talon just wouldn't even have a chance in this meta if we didn't if they didn't have the ability to just, like, survive for more than one second in a team fight. So I'm kind of happy that Gore Drinker is broken because it does give us that champion diversity. It does allow assassins to exist There's always one item. Every world, yeah. there's always one item. I, and I just like be it. thankful that it's not a goddamn Arden sensor, okay? Just be thankful. <laughs> hey, GNG is at worlds, okay? The item diversity has gone way down, whereas the champion diversity has gone way up. So that's uh, that's definitely one thing about worlds so far. I think more champions bear than more items. So that's just me. Oh, I'd rather see more more characters on yeah. the rift than see more books and swords and staffs in the uh, in the inventory screen. That's just my take. I'm I'm down with Gore Drinker forever. We get ten Gore Drinkers in the game. Cool with me. <laughs> Bring back DFG. That's all. Oh I'm my. DFG Valdez. is the way. You're singing my song. The best Mordekaiser <laughs> item in the game, or Bring at least Vagar. it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're just talking about Valdez champions. It's like buff my yeah. three champions, please. Bring back um, but. I do want, like, it, it is very diverse. There's already been so many champions uh, played already just in the play-ins, but I want to talk about some of the uh, some of the favorites and some of the picks that we've seen really rise to the top. And uh, the first one that needs to be addressed is the 29 collective games that we saw on Misfortune. This champion is Busto. She has been so, so powerful. And I find it absolutely hilarious that we get into this meta where Talons and Zeds find themselves into the jungle, and the most played AD carry is Misfortune, who is the most <laughs> susceptible to these champions. But it doesn't seem to matter. Like, this uh, this lethality build has just... It's really starting to take over. It's really interesting, because I think that she became... It's one of those scenarios where she became popular because of, like, Ghostblade being buffed, and then it synergizes really well with her strut, and obviously she can go for lethality. But we've also seen, I think, like, a third of the games them just go crit. Um, so it's like a case where you have a build and then people are like, oh, this champion is actually really strong. And then they change the build and like, okay, the build actually doesn't matter. It's just the champion is just nuts and wins every lane for free. Um, so that's a lot to take in in like the first week. Yeah, yeah. her ultimate is so good. It disengage as well for your team, can help you control choke points, can help you control objectives. If you're insanely ahead, you can just win a team fight with it just by tossing it out almost at random, even if there isn't like a great setup for it. And if you get rid of 20% of half of the enemy team's health, like they can't re-engage into you anymore. They can't go through that choke point anymore. So it's insane what she does in terms of utility as well. Um, even her slow um, with her like make it rain ability is, is pretty insane because you could slow the enemy approach you can help chase with it then you have ghost play plus her passive with the strut you're talking about she just does too many things and wins lane um so if you're ahead it's like amazing if you're behind you could still carry like doggo so uh yeah i think we're going to be seeing that band a lot more that might actually move away from being like first pick on blue side to being like in the first three bands yeah yeah or, i feel like <laughs> yeah drafted around as well could be a thing but valdez go 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 <laughs> i feel like um yeah, I feel like the AD carry meta is kind of in a weird spot now that she's just, like, by far the best. 
It just feels like um, we have her and then we have Lucian. Maybe not by far because Lucian's right, kind of right there as well. And then it's like after that, people are like, do we just play Zaya again? Like that was that was weird when we started getting some Zaya picks. And also um, other than that, we just see kind of like Ezreal. We haven't really seen too much else. Hey, I mean, it just feels it. like. Deft has a great Kaisa counter pick, which was completely yeah. irrelevant to the games they won on it. <laughs> yeah, Kaisa forgot about her. Yeah, um, not sure that's a counter pick. No, yeah. I mean it's it's what yeah. they do, but like obviously, it it the counter I guess is di- uh, draft dive and then hope that that works, which into MF obviously is very binary because if you don't immediately kill her, then you eat a bullet time and you lose the game. Yeah, yeah, certainly works. Like we've we've seen all sorts of nutty things. Like I thought Nocturne was out of the meta forever. He's uh he's back in again, hundred percent win rate here with the sample size of one at the planes. Absolutely love it. But like nice. dive like this is the thing that that can keep happening. Um, I want to uh, take our attention um sort of back to the LCK for this one just a little bit as we have a look at the mid lane. And uh, we spoke about that first game that Trevi played on uh the Trindamir, but I love that. Hama could just settle back into their Azir playstyle, and it was like nothing had yeah. ever changed uh, in previous patches, despite the fact that there were a lot of patch notes uh, in between that time. Like, lots of things have actually changed, but they just picked their Renekton Azir compositions. And it works. I mean, it worked against teams that weren't necessarily as strong, but I think that the Azir mid lane, the fact that he's strong early, strong mid game, strong late game, is, uh, is pretty good. Uh- you could that's, say that's being strong G- all game is kind of cool i think um yeah. that's yeah. just me though what did you guys get from uh sort of humble life and how they were playing around trophy during the planes i i think um it was it felt very familiar to me like when we were casting their second game valdez and i i was just, i was just like i think they pick his ear i think when i said that everybody probably watching was like what his ear in worlds 2021 like is that gonna happen <laughs> um and then it just got locked in like right after i mentioned it and I felt like hesitant to say it because I was like, is this still going to be a thing? It feels so right for this team. And I think as, as uh, Chronicle was alluding to, like we're probably going to see Genji pick it up later on in the group stage as well. Oh yeah. Um, but what's really interesting about it is it just removes all sorts of liability. I think for the mid lane for Chovy it allows him to just get fed, get farmed and like harass the enemy mid laner and just have prio no matter what. Um, I, I, I mean, tell me if I'm off base on this, but I feel like right now in this meta in world so far, Mid lane seems to be the least important, actually, in terms of impact. Like the bot in the top lane seems to be so much more impactful in terms of setting up team fights, and like we're seeing all the jungle, all the jungle priority go to either top or bottom, not so much the mid lane. And if you're winning and you have prio, it obviously Im- compiles into those problems for the top laner on the enemy team or the the bot lane, the bot duo. But I feel like in terms of where we're seeing ganks committed to, it's not a meta that suits uh, Wither just camping Chovy and Chovy just like getting several kills in the early game and, and just popping off. Like we didn't really see that happen as much as it was Deft actually popping off in the bottom lane. Um, and even Morgan had his time to shine on the top side of the map. So that, that's kind of like my take on it right now is we didn't get to see the, the Chovy gap super hard as much as we wanted to in the group stage, although it did happen a few times. Um, just the because I think this game. meta isn't suited for that necessarily just yet. Yeah, I don't think it's like pop-off in the mid-game. Chronically, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but my take on it is that the mid lane is extremely important, but you don't see it. Because having priority in mid lane is just ridiculous. And like having control of your wave and making sure that you're pushing and keeping your opponent under tower, like that gives your jungler, that gives the rest of your lanes so much extra power that that is pivotal but you don't actually see it do anything, right? Like, it, you're just watching some, like, it's not where the money red and, is, yeah. Yeah, and, exactly. and blue dots on the screen, yeah. It's it's not a solo kill mid lane meta at all. Uh, that's definitely true. So I, I, I think that we've had worlds where there's, like, been a really aggressive mid lane meta, where, like, the solo boat, and, like, there was, like, what, one solo kill when Chovy found one on, on Natalie or Norelia, but, like, that's an anomaly, right? Um, I think the biggest way in which you can see this uh, is how much Wheeler has been able to do. And obviously Wheeler is also playing 10 times better because he's been playing with Chovy the entire year and he's been unable to actually utilize this. But I think the combination of Wheeler playing a lot better and just always having Perma Prio makes jungle so much more impactful, gives so much more space, allows you to invade, allows you to track the enemy jungler. And 
it's something that Dumb One obviously was like the kings of last year because Showmaker also did the same thing. But for Hanwha, that's never been an option because the junglers have just been pretty subpar. So I've actually been... Obviously, Morgan also needs to be mentioned when it comes to performing above par, but he's still like, he's 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 good. But Willa, to me, has been the story of planes. Like, I am shocked at how much promise this player has shown and how he's actually able to utilize Chovy's power um, even without, you know, getting kills, just applying Let's pressure. Let's see what right. happens later, though, against the group stage. <laughs> oh, 100%. Let's yeah, no, of course. It's planes. It's planes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's definitely right. Yeah, I think in I, like I, yeah, sorry, sorry, Valdez. Like, I, I mean, I'm gonna ask. I was gonna go for asking you a question after this, so I'm not just cutting you off yet again, which uh, <laughs> is what I've been doing this entire show, and I apologize. Um, but I think Will definitely improved as it as it went along as well, right? Like he went from like kicking Zoe's after they portal jump to not doing that, and that was definitely really cool. Um, is that was that your experience, Brendan? Uh, yeah. I mean, I just kind of wanted to go over. Like, I feel like the jungle is actually really important once again, this Worlds, and that's, like, where the mid lane gains its importance. Like, I, I feel like mid lane for the past, like, couple of years has been in this weird spot where it's like, well, if you're not picking, like, a roaming champion, you're kind of just, like, giving priority to the jungle, and that's, like, kind of what you do. <laughs> um, which is important, but it, it feels like the jungler kind of has a lot of say uh, about, like, the tempo and the way that the game is going, which has always been the case, but I feel like, especially in the last year or so, it feels like it's been extremely important, and I feel like teams with super strong junglers are really shining. That's why I feel like you know, I was thinking about who did I think was the strongest team from play-ins, and in my mind it was, like, by and far LNG. And I, I don't think that's, you know, a crazy thing to say. But for me, it was it was kind of, like, because I thought Tarzan was just such a good jungler. It kind of reminds me of, like, Canyon from last year. Maybe not as high of a high, but, like, um, in terms of play style and, and what he's able to do on the map. And, you know, with all the crazy bot lane picks that we're seeing, I feel like the bottom lane is also really important. But, um, yeah, I don't I don't know if we're going to see as many, like, duo kills or, like, even kills in the bottom lane in the group stage when it's cleaner bottom lanes. Because Hopefully. I think a little bit of that was, like, um, like play-ins, you know, play-ins-esque stuff. Just where play it's like, Oh, that guy just, like, died for no reason. Like, oh huge mistake and he dies in the bottom lane like it's kind of like on a knife's edge down there but um i think with groups it'll clean up a little bit down there but still very important yeah i think some of that like jungle tracking and the cerebral jungler uh effect that we've seen uh, especially when you know canyon and tarzan came into the lck it was actually really cool that we got them at relatively similar times right like these two next level scores that are that are coming in to to you know show that Score isn't the only incredibly smart guy in the jungle here in uh, in uh, in the LCK. So it is it is really cool that we're seeing even more of that. It's a little bit sad that uh, Tarzan is no longer representing Korea, but damn, does he look good on LNG as well? So that was my first love over in uh, in uh, the LPL as well, which is cool. As they were formerly Snake, and that team was a whole lot of fun, and now continuing to be very fun in the form of LNG as well. Um, I guess now that you've brought that up, now that we've uh, started talking about, you know, some of these other teams, LNG definitely looking extraordinarily powerful. Um, Valdez, I want you to tell me, is Detonation Focus Me actually a contender moving forward? Because their first match, I was like, all right, all, all hopes thrown out the window. This is a disaster. Um, but after that, really looking dominant. And this is a team that has like, Japanese Faker, you know, like Utapon has been playing for the same amount of time as Faker has since 2013 or something like that when this team first formed. So like it's him and Faker. They're the only two players that have been on the same team for that amount of time and he's still as good as he is. This team, there's just so much to talk about. I want them to be good. They weren't good in their first game, but then they uh <laughs> then they had developed then they have developed. So uh what 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 was your take? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you asked me and not Chronicler because, uh, I, I didn't want gushing at the beginning, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but yeah, I, it was, it was surprising, um, how well they were able to do in the group stage part, you know, towards the end, because as you mentioned, it was kind of like, well, this team, you know, we thought we were going to, they were going to be better, but they were actually bad, but then, you know, they showed their full potential. Um, I don't think they're going to have much hope 
Um, I'm trying to remember what group they got into. Was it B? Uh, B, yeah, with 100 yeah. Thieves, EDG, and T1. So that's... Yeah, that's yeah it's toughie. pretty doomed. <laughs> I, I mean, it feels like for, you know, it's kind of always with the planes teams where it's like, oh, well, they're doomed because they're up against the strongest teams in the world in their, in their group, and that's just the way it goes. But um, I wouldn't I wouldn't slate them as my upset team. I, I don't think they're going to be the one to go in and upset their group. Um I would say probably LNG has the best chance of doing that. Although I don't know if you can call it. Too I don't much think of it's an upset. upset. Yeah, I think exactly. if if you don't predict LNG <laughs> to be top of that group, you're absolutely insane. Or at least opinion. second. But yeah, like um, I, if there's going to be one play in Steam that I think makes it out of groups, it will be LNG. So yeah, I don't I don't know if uh, Detonation Focus Me is is doing it enough for me. Let's let's go pick a new group, shall we? And uh, have a conversation about, you know, what we're expecting when it comes to some more play-ins teams. Let's move over to Cloud9. I thought that Cloud9, when they were winning, this team looked absolutely amazing. When they weren't, not so good. So <laughs> them going into group A, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's really tough. Because when you're against Tomon and FPX, like... There can be no flips. No flips allowed. You flip against those teams, you're just dead. In 17 minutes, it's over. It's, oh, that's real tough for them. Um, Wolf, I'll come to you first. Do you think there's, is there any NA hope uh, coming from their, their, their play-ins representative? I don't think so. Uh, in terms of getting out of the group, like, I just don't see it. I will say that I felt like Cloud9, when they were playing at their best, when they seemed really prepared, they looked really strong. And these players are really mechanically skilled. Um, and I do, I, I do hate that in group A, like the, the first main group, there'll probably be, you know, near airport jokes in the chat because they're going to get outclassed mm -hmm. by some of the best teams in the world. When I think the gap is actually much closer than it often is for North America in the group stage. It's a really tough group, but I think the the skill is there. The mechanical skill for this team is here. Um, the problem is that they had to play all those extra games in the play-ins where there's a lot more to study because they didn't end up winning that game against DFM than they should have. Uh, so they had to go through the whole extra bracket, which cost them a lot of, you know, time. They could have been spending scrimming and actually getting ready. Um, and I don't know, man. I, I feel like Cloud9, they're so mechanically strong. They have a good sense for the game. But when, the, when we hit the late game, sometimes they just don't play their comps. Sometimes they don't play their win conditions. And when you're in a group with Damo and Kia who knows the, the win conditions of every scenario, even ones that are losing for them and how to still win them, um, it's going to be a hard time. I respectfully actually totally disagree with Wolf. I think the gap is uh, bigger than ever, actually. Um, I I want to be proven wrong because I, I'm i from NA, you know, but not even just that, just like I want the games to be competitive and I want this region to perform and I, I would like to shut up some of the Twitch chat nerds that are in there spamming, you know, near airport jokes yeah. and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, I, I think having four top regions that are all competitive is a good thing, but I, I to be honest, I just, I, especially for Cloud9, I mean, especially in this group, like I think this is the most one-sided group. I think it's the most obvious group. I think... Dom1 and FPX, they could both definitely win Worlds this year. Like, they are two contenders for the actual title. And they might be even a tier above even, like, the other, like, middle-class teams that we have in groups. And, uh, you know, even just looking at all the other NA teams, like, I don't, I don't see any of them having much fun at all in any of their groups, even 100 Thieves, like... Even though they have improved a lot, I think the region as a whole has, has just fallen a bit behind, in my opinion. And um, I think they're really going to struggle overall, unfortunately. Because I, I, I think there's, like, <laughs> since this is, like, technically the LCK podcast, right, the Pog State, um, I want to pause a question of, like, what if it was actually Nongshim in Group C? Because I think if if I'm if it's Nongshim in Group C, I, I kind of feel like I, I feel a lot better about their chances, right? Like, it's Peanut, playing on stage, okay, he's a really strong leader, right? I can actually see Rich leveling up. He's also one of those players that does extremely well in international events. Like, it feels sad to me that we won't know what could have been if Nongshim goes into this group because I just want to, like, talk, bring up a parallel universe that, that doesn't exist and be like, man, if it was Nongshim in there, I'm like, yeah, I could think Nongshim could beat PSG Talon and Fanatic. I, just I mean, Quantum Theory says that it has happened, Wolf. So maybe you could talk about you in the multiverse somewhere, and uh, we can <laughs> we can figure out exactly oh. what's going on. I, um, yeah, yeah. 
I just I just want to put that out there. I just wanted to like make the Nongshim fans sad for a second because they're not here. And they're <laughs> I, not I, I can hear <laughs> Emily Rand like shouting in the distance. I know she was a really big Nongshim fan as well. Um, and I, I, if it was like week seven of summer, I'd be like, yeah, you're right, Wolf. But after what we saw in like both playoffs and Gauntlet, I think the team needs another year. I think like individually, Doc Dom, Callan, Gory, like these players, uh, and Rich and Peanut are kind of a different in a different boat because I think Rich is the player that he will remain from here on out, and Peanut is such a storied player that he doesn't really fall in the same category as the other three. I think those three in like a year or two can be world champions. Not necessarily together, but like I think those players have incredible promise, but I think they would have bombed on the world stage. If you already bomb in the Gauntlet 2 worlds, I think as much as I love Nongshim during the regular split, I think they would have gotten demolished. Um, I, I, but it's weird, right? Like you don't know. Maybe they wouldn't have. Yeah, it's hard to know. We have to do it. We have to talk about Gen G. Um, I don't want to. Can I skip this segment? Can I run uh, away? I'm feeling very sick. Uh, <laughs> have you got another guy at the door, Brent? <laughs> I, 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 I feel, I feel, you know, I, I had a, I had a really nice coffee with Arnold, and I talked to him like, "How's the team feeling? How are they doing?" Uh, and I can confidently say, I still have no idea, none. <laughs> I, it's like still absolutely none. I can. Equally, I, like, to me, it's like Schrodinger's Gen G. Like, equally likely, I can see this team dumpster everyone. I'm not talking about quarters and, and onwards, because in best of fives, we know Gen G's weaknesses. We've talked about them endlessly. I don't really think we need to get in that. As a best of one team, if they find a regular split form, which, honestly, they've had like a month and a half off, they could, I can see them top that group. I can see them go like five and one, uh, just absolutely demolish. And I can also see them be fourth. And I think they're the, the most volatile team, which is weird when we've just talked about Hanwha. But with Hanwha, at least we know what we get. But with Genji, there's like two separate packages that are so far apart. Although, if I look like even in the straight up head to head, like if they're lower than third, I'd be shocked. Second, second or third, I think third team with players of this caliber should be the very least. Uh, attainable. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't uh, see. I don't. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to Rivaldis. Yeah. Um. I think I. I, I want to go back to a point that Mao made earlier on, where it's kind of like, um, in the context of the LCK, right? I. I think that Gen G, they are like a very volatile team. You never really know. Like, is Ruler randomly not going to play well? Like he randomly did sometimes in in summer. Um. It's this meta. I feel like it's it's kind of an unfortunate timing because I I thought that Clid and Ruler weren't exactly playing at their highest highs, and in my opinion, I feel like those are a couple of the most important um, roles right now. Um, so that's one thing. But I also do feel like I would actually put them. I, I might even put them first. Like I just I just feel like. Like the teams, the teams that they are going up against, like right there in the group with Mad Lions, right? Yeah. Right. Yes, that's right. Okay. And oh, LNG okay. and Team Liquid. Yeah. And Team Liquid. Um, yeah. I feel like um, probably second, but they might get first. Is my impression. Uh, I, I think they're just going to perform well in group stage and then get knocked out in <laughs> in somewhere in you know in knockout stage as it always seems to happen. I think that's what's going to happen. That's my gut feel. Even though, as LCK casters, we have experienced so many times where they've where we've slowly gotten hyped for them, then they let us down and slowly get hyped again, and then they let us down. And this happened so many times that we're just we're always kind of down on them. But I think in the context of the world's group, I think they should at least get out. I I feel like I I think they'll probably get out too because I'm not that high on LNG. Like they did beat Hanwha Life Esports in a best of one at the beginning of the tournament. That was a long time ago um, in terms of world's timeline. You know, it was like a million years ago, it feels like. But we don't know how consistent they're going to be against stronger teams just yet because they kind of just smashed their group and, and skipped the extra round. So we have, I feel like, the least information about LNG. Well, they have strong laners. Um, we don't know what top laner Genji is going to field necessarily. Could be Birdall, could be Rascal. That's a big question mark. Um, but I think that the it really comes down to 
whether or not Genji can consistently beat Mad Lions. I think that's really, for me, the thing I'm looking at right now, because I think Mad Lions might actually be the strongest team in this group. Uh, I think, I, I really rate Mad Lions quite highly right now um, coming into this tournament. I think they're the strongest European team. I mean, I think most people would agree with that in general, but they look very consistent. They've got a lot of stage experience. They learned a lot from MSI. If this team has all the pieces, it has all the working parts. You've got to deal with Armin in the top lane. Karzi's popping off these days. Um, I think Mad Lions is if you can, if Genji can beat Mad Lions, if we see that matchup and Genji beats them, like sign me up. I'll I'll sign like yes, I predict Genji officially uh, to get out of this group. I, I think even if they lose, I still think based on what we've seen, they're better than LNG at their best. That's the thing about Genji. Which Genji are we gonna get? I think at their best, they're better than LNG. And Team Liquid is just not really a factor to me in this group. I I don't know how well they're gonna do, but I don't have high expectations. I Think That's, you call them a dark horse. I think they're a dark horse of the group. Um, there you go. They they could win. They will be on Summoner's Rift, and the opponent's nexus will exist on the map. Um, that's going to happen. There is a, a chance. Their their logo is also literally a dark horse. So um, I guess there's that too. Um, there you go. My do you, do you know what my take is? My take is that Clid has uh, made it his business to destroy Tarzan's uh, hopes of getting anywhere um, throughout his uh, his career. Um, if you guys remember back to certain extraordinarily quick and depressing LCK finals that, of course, Valdez will uh, remember very, very closely, it was Griffin just getting gutter-stomped, like American History X style. Like, it was yeah. not okay um, what was happening to those guys. Clid, of course, uh, in different form, uh, at this point in time, but we know what he can do. We know what BDD can do. We know that Azir is possible to be played, um, and therefore BDD in a great position. Syndra also looking too. pretty yeah. good. Yeah, exactly. Wolf, you, you're like you, you're, you're inhaling some of it. Some yeah. of it's getting over to you. I can see that seeping through the microphone. Then, I like this a lot. Then BDD. Rule is also a world champion. He's pretty good. Um, I'm sure life will be fine. And maybe they'll play Birtle. Like, this is going to be, like... I, I think there's, there's, there's a chance. There's a chance. But I still have them third. Just, uh... <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> he has TL first as well. Yeah, no, I got TL. I mean, I the Dark it, Horse. Yeah, they're a Dark Horse. Yeah. I have a bit of Can't a weak spot it. for TL because they're both, uh, like, a Heritage StarCraft Orc and also originally Dutch. Um... And they have the best content in that group by a country mile. That that's oh, for yeah. sure. I mean, if this uh, was a content co competition, oh, no, it's, like it's, oh god, not no, even close. It's, it's 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 they're too good. Uh, but no, I agree. It's basically it boils down to we know that in recent form, teams like Dalmon, teams like Gen G, uh, sorry, teams like T One, like we know what form they're in roughly. But with with Gen G, if if it's like spring semis BDD, they took that group. Right, but the gap between spring semis BDD and then like late summer ruler, the like Korean analyst months. tier list BDD and summer. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a really hard one. Um, that's why, like I said, I think Gen G is the most binary. But I do think we'll know very quickly which Gen G we will get if ruler is back to form. I don't, I don't think, and like BDD is 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 on point. Clid is at the ready. I don't think they're gonna have a lot of difficulty. Um, Do you know what I love? I uh, I want to go back to what we've been saying because we've been saying that uh, Genji is both volatile and binary at the same time, and I'm not I'm not like saying that that's wrong because it isn't. The thing is, it feels like they come into a competition or a tournament in a form that we don't know. Yeah, and then when they get in, they stay in that form, whatever it is. For the for the remainder of the tournament yeah. until the knockout stage of said tournament. So the reason why we're struggling so much, ladies and gentlemen, is because we don't know what they're going to look like in game one. But if we could lock in our pickums after game one, yeah. I guarantee you all of us yeah. will know exactly where yes, Genji yes, are going. Yes, that is so That's true. how it's going to go. That is you so just true. Need one. Yeah. That is like the smartest thing anyone has ever said about Genji. It's like the one thing that you <laughs> the one thing that you do, the, the one thing that you know is that you don't know until you see it. It's the hardest team to predict. The one thing you know is that you don't know yeah. until you know. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, exactly. Like, you know when you play against a boss in a video game and then like it, halfway through the boss fight it like transforms into its second phase? Um I feel like 
sometimes the second phase is easier than the first phase. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes it's harder. With Genji, like, you're gonna, you're starting to fight that boss, and then, like, eventually you hit his weak point enough times, and then it, it gets splits into two or something, and you're like, is it stronger? Is it better? We'll find <laughs> out. Like, with Genji, it might be better, it might be worse. Like, they might actually give everyone a ton of hope in the group stage. Like, oh, this team is so sick, they smashed LNG, they destroyed Mad Lions, and everyone's like, this could be Genji's year. Let's lose to, like, the weakest team in the, in the round of eight bracket. It's like it's like it's like Cell charging up in a Dragon Ball Z episode. He's like charging up, charging up, charging up, and then it's like, and then he's Krillin, and you're like, oh, like what? What happened? You know, I I think that's a great analogy, Wolf. Like I think you've uh, you figured it out. Like the second form, (laughs) what is it? Could be harder. Could be better. It could be. It could be easier. Could be harder. You don't know, but it's they're gonna change between group stage and playoffs. I hope it's for the better, for our sakes. Um, let's, uh, let's finish off with a little bit more of an upbeat, uh, gentlemen, because, uh, we now get to talk about T1, the team coming in with absolutely the most ex- experience as an org, um, but not necessarily when it comes to their players, right? You've got C- Carrier, he's returning, looking so much better than he was, uh, last year. Um, very interesting that we've got Deft and Chovy there alongside him as well from the same team. Rascal also going to be there. I mean, like, it's just, uh, of course, Rascal played for DRX, but it was a little bit earlier. It was Doran that was actually at Worlds last time, so look, I'm completely sorry, but like he is there. Sometimes though, it's Rascal just there is, there is a Rascal does exist. That that, that yeah. does have that that did happen. However, not relevant to the point that I was making. Um, Carrier making his way back in. Faker is of course still there because he's Faker. Um, but and Teddy. Um, but Gumiushi is now on the bottom side of the map. He's uh certainly some fresh blood and. Around the like everywhere else, it is certainly a new look for T1 heading to Worlds. Where are we putting them in this group? And I'm starting with you, Wolf. Where are you putting them? Number two, I think EDG. EDG is one of my big favorites to win the whole thing. Um, so I I don't think that T1 will come out on top of Edward Gaming. Um, and if they do, then it ruins my whole predictions and like what I'm thinking is going to happen. When we get later on. Um, Ooh, I think Wolf about to get his first EDG burn at Worlds. Yeah, I'm um, ready. Mine I'm was ready. in 2015. Um, <laughs> still hurts to this day. Um, I, I'll, I got, I'll, I'll warn you. I got burned by EDG and Heroes of the Storm a few times too, so <laughs> it's not my first radio, but my first time in League of Legends, all right? Um, but yeah, I, I think given that there's two very weak opponents in this group, and sorry, Papa Smithy, but I don't think 100 Thieves is getting out of this group. I think T1, based on the form we, we know they have and how well they performed at the end of summer, um, there's just no way they mess up the bottom part of the group can they get over edward gaming like i don't i don't think so i mean the thing is that the matchups we we already talked about it briefly earlier on i would love to see faker against scout and see who ends up coming on top there i'm kind of leaning towards scout i'm also kind of leaning towards viper and mecco having the the better bottom lane and end up being you know the stronger duo there on the bottom side of the map so i just think the consistency for t1 in the bottom of the map is where I struggle. And it's not, it's not carry it. I'm, I'm really talking about mystery AD carry player. We don't know who it's going to be. Or it's going to be Gumusi or it's going to be Teddy. They both have different strengths. They both have different play styles. Um, but I think T1 struggled to figure out, even in the grand finals against Namwon Kia, which one was the right one for the job. And if they haven't figured that out yet, then I don't think they can beat EDG. If they have, and they do end up beating EDG, then yeah, they get out of the group in first place. But I'm looking at number two right now. Um, Valdez, uh, can you, uh, can you give me some extra time to think about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, yeah, this one is pretty interesting. I, I think that with Viper being as good as he is, I would probably put um, EDG as number one as well. But it's another one of these things where I think that on the day, especially with best of ones and the group stage and stuff, like T1 can definitely take games off of EDG. That's no question. Like, I think they're good enough to do that for sure. Um, I think that guys like owner in the jungle are going to be very key as well like what is his forum like how nervous does he look um i think he should be fine i think that he's had enough time now to kind of adjust but um again another one of those things that we do have to watch for the side of t1 i think that kana will be pretty good i think he's going to be pretty solid uh faker carrier they should be solid as well uh, and they're ED carry as well. Like they 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 all have like enough experience at this point, is what I mean. Like I don't think they're gonna have any nerves or anything like that. And with Faker leading your team, you should always be pretty good. So yeah, I mean, I I think I would put T1 like in my pickums. I haven't done them. I'm actually gonna do them right after this recording. But um, 
I'd probably have to put them T1 or second. <laughs> um, and with EDG at first. And then I think the other two teams are just kind of lost. I don't think 100 Thieves or DFM are going to have any chance, to be honest. I, I think maybe 100 Thieves takes like one wonky upset game against T1 or EDG. But other than that, I think it should be those two up at the top. And uh, yeah, an another one of these groups that I think should be pretty readable by this point but in terms of form we could see like number one or two swap but you know it, my gut feeling is edg at first for now all right mal what do you go for me i i do agree with uh Valdos that it's up to form but i don't feel like it's up to t1's form i think it's up to how to edg's form max already kind of lampshaded towards it and it ties into a lot of the what a lot of the LPL casters feel like. I've heard way more voices believing that it's going to be FPX or RNG that is actually going to do well at Worlds. And following that, I think that if we see the EDG that we saw in the LPL finals, I think they should be first in that group, um, especially in a, in a best of one scenario. I actually think that T1 to me is one of the biggest dark horses to win the tournament if they get to best of fives. And in some other groups, I would be worried for them, but I do agree. I think that in the group that they are in, getting out of that group is expected. I don't know if it will be... I expect it will be second place. If if EDG are looking really rough, then maybe it's first. Uh, would also not be shocked to see 100 Thieves in particular. They have a really explosive early game. Grab one or two like big victories over either EDG or T1. But it ties into what I said earlier. I think these teams are good enough to win individual games if they get early leads against these better teams but over a double round robin i don't expect that to be any big like um upsets in that group yeah um after taking a little bit of time um thank you gentlemen uh for, for giving it to me I, i've always been of the mind that uh t1's biggest weakness is their top lane i think that um when it comes to this group, though, it's not necessarily uh, massively stacked with with top lane talent. Um, Evi has a lot of experience, um, don't get me wrong, but we saw in play-ins he was exposed. Flandre has been there for years, um, was one of my favorites back on Snake back in the day, but he's also not exactly the most powerful top laner. These are, these are not teams that are necessarily known for their top side of the map, which is where T1 really have been exposed in the past because Kana can get a, a little bit caught up in himself and this is a, his first international event which is crazy like yeah right you're, you're thinking about this guy has been on the team for you know almost two years now but hasn't actually uh been to an international because they missed out on uh 2019 worlds and msi didn't exist and then uh, they didn't make it to msi this year right so i think it's going to be all up to what kind of canna that we get will he actually be able to be exposed by the top laners of this group and i just don't necessarily think that it is um going to be the case as uh, as much as it has um in the past against you know the likes of keen and and summit when he was performing very well and things like this where we saw t1 really um have some struggles um i think that kind of with attention and things like that things do work out but t1 loses a lot of flexibility if Kana can actually play effective weak side this tournament then i agree that t1 is a dark horse to win the whole thing that's kind of where i'm at but maybe i'm a little bit more down on Kana than than a lot of other people are but i think there no. there were a lot of expectations dashed by him um throughout this year with some of his shaky performances yeah, I didn't even think about that matchup in particular, but when you think about Flandre and also even someday, like that he has to go up against, it's yeah. it's kind of stacked. Like it's a pretty, I, pretty big group. Um, yeah, I know you're not the biggest someday fan in his recent form, right? but yeah, no, it's like, I, I really, these are I really veterans, rate, right? I really rate someday like his career, but I think in terms of like laning strength, losing to someday should never happen to Kana. If anything, it'd be because closer is is really strong early game, right? But in in a one one on one, I don't think Kana should lose to anyone in that group. It's interesting, and even because like, we've also seen that uh, T one are not scared to play around Kana, um, which <laughs> yep can can I mean, that's also what they be do read, every game, right? <laughs> yeah, can, can be read as like basically babysitting him, which it is in some of those games. Um, you know, plop him on Jace, 
let him play a comfort champion, get owner like in Italy, and just literally sit in the top lane and dive and make sure you play Teddy if you're gonna do that. Just let Teddy (laughs) farm and just let them sit there, you know, and just and Faker's always gonna be fine, totally fine. Um, Teddy and Caria or Gumiusi and Caria probably totally fine, and uh, just sit there and get kind of ahead. And I think they should be okay. So I think it's a really exciting matchup. I think like Scout versus Faker is going to be really, really fun. I love watching Flandre play for better or worse. Um, I'm hoping as an LCK fan that it's for worse uh, this time around. Um, but it's just going to be a really fun group. I think it might be one of the best world championships in a long time. If the, if the, gr- like the group stage is already going to be cracked. Like it doesn't matter what actually happens. Uh, unless somehow every single ma- um, game is a one-sided stomp, but like in terms of overall group sta- uh, strength, I think this is just insane, right? Like it's it's incredible. There's so many depth. There's so many storylines. Every single group is really really cool. Even Group D, where you could argue like maybe it's a little bit weaker relatively, is still completely up in the air, which makes it really engaging to still watch. Um, and I don't think there's a clear favorite to win. And I think that's the first time in a few years where we legit have no clue. Like, yeah, I think there will no be idea. a favorite like that'll come to the surface, but we actually have to get through the group stage before we can even get there. And I, I can't remember a Worlds where it wasn't like... You remember last year, like, Darmon came in, everyone's like, this team's gonna do it. And then they yeah. did yeah. it. And it's like, uh, you know? We don't have that team. Like, yes, Darmon are no back, but do we know that they're, like at a level that uh, is going to be good enough, you look at their regular season, you're like, no, I don't I don't know whether like we can actually comfortably predict that. I mean, you see them winning their finals and like it was very consistent and things like this, but this yeah. is not the same level of dominance, right? Like I'm not ready to call a winner of this tournament. I can yeah, call no. out five teams that I think could win it, but that's as far as I get. The thing is like, it, you know how Sooning just kind of surprised everyone and ended up being the, the finalist last year. I feel like, you have like five potential soonings like in this uh yeah <laughs> in this tournament like anyone could suddenly do like really well and, and like Genji could be the sooning this year like they, there are like, two wow, soonings like, really in good. every group there yeah. are two soonings in every group wolf <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's insane no, i'm really excited for it like the play-ins you know basically went according to the script there wasn't that much that that happened that was out of the ordinary except you know as valdez mentioned earlier on beyond looked worse than people expected but otherwise like Everything was according to the script, but this is where it gets interesting. And it certainly will. Um, That's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for watching, guys. I hope that uh, we don't look too silly. Um, I guess, you know, you can judge us based on what our takes were with the extra knowledge that you have and the benefit of hindsight. Definitely very, very fun to poke some fun at people who have, uh, you know, made some predictions in the past. So I hope that's going to be good. We do have another episode uh, coming towards you, um, but that will be more close to the finals, which I just cannot wait for. I really hope my Trovium doesn't wear off. Yeah, exactly right. Um, Doing all this remote stuff is weird, and I keep cutting Valdez off. I don't know why. It's just you. (laughs) It's just just you. That's the way it goes sometimes. Getting in there. It was me today. Yeah, I just, I I, I gotcha. So thank you so much for watching, guys. Uh, I hope we see you in the next episode of The Pog State. And in the meantime, stay sweet, poggers.